Hey everyone, and welcome back to the podcast for the Eagle Community Church of Christ. I'm the preaching minister, John Gunter. This week, we're trying to catch up on some backlog. We had a uh, uh, one of our tech guys gone, and then we went to the park one week, and so uh, we kind of had uh, just some uh, just some backlog to catch up on as far as uploading things. So this week, we talk about Revelation 18 and 19, almost finished with the book, and I hope and pray that this is something that's been helpful for you. It has been something that maybe you will uh, want to come back to and re-listen to again. So uh, again, uh, the sermon this week is from Revelation 18 and 19. Come see us sometime. We'd love to have you. Hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne and they cried... Amen. Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting. Hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. At this, I fell at his feet to worship, worship him, but he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the wine presses of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, come, gather together for the great supper of God so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and the mighty of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together, wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured with it, the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshiped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. Did somebody set that off just a 
interrupt the revelation thing, like I've had enough of this. If you're like me, you probably set on your keys wrong. Uh, don't even know it's your, your vehicle out there. Well, as you can see, it was a longer reading today, so we had to jump right into it. But really, the, uh, what we see in uh, Revelation 18 and 19 is just a continuation of all we have seen, is it not? Uh, again, as we've talked over and over, uh, the book of Revelation begins with John addressing the churches, remember? The seven churches are receiving this letter, and we can't lose the idea that this was still written to them. Sometimes, because we, I think we stopped in chapter 3, it feels like Revelation 1 through 3 is its own book, and the rest of it's just something else. Something else I don't know how to deal with, and I don't, don't want to deal with it, right? But again, uh, John is receiving these visions to give to the churches so that they understand really what they have done right, what they have done wrong, and how they need to make that relationship with Jesus right again. And so each week we have talked about how over and over the same message applies. The same message comes to John and to the churches. Again, this idea that there is a, a battle. God wins, and you better pick a side. And so over and over, week after week, weird image after weird image still points back to exactly that and saying again that God wins. Which side are you on? And that's a question that should hang with us each and every week as we go. But the main topic and what you saw and what you heard read this morning really is Babylon's funeral. Remember last week, listen, you can't stop that. You, you know, so... Gray Lexus. Nobody's raising their hand on that, Scott. <laughs> At least we know the culprit. Brandy did not like the service. <laughs> Just kidding, Brandy. But what we see and what we saw last week, remember how um, Rome is described. What we, we find out in all this symbolism uh, that really Rome is described in this moment. That, that it is the city by which all of these things have, have kind of come about. Uh, and on Wednesday night, as we're going through uh, our hermeneutics class, uh, one of the ones we, we touched on this last week was how to read Revelation. And uh, one of the advices that uh, one of the doctors gave was, uh, uh, you need to take it seriously, but not literally, a lot of time. Because remember, it described Rome as this woman sitting on seven hills. And uh, one of the professors said, you know, that's either a really large woman or some really small hills. <laughs> but, but what it's doing, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm just going to leave that hanging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what it's doing in the moment is, is just saying everyone knew exactly when he said a, a, a woman sitting on seven hills, they knew exactly what this is referring to. This is referring to the city of Rome. Again, going back to the letters of all the churches where uh, so many people had accommodated to the culture around them. They had, they had decided in the most dangerous way that, yeah, we'll just go along with this kind of stuff and be okay with it. And the problem is Jesus is very direct, isn't he, about correcting some of those things. And, and again, what he's saying is you're following the wrong person. You think in the moment that you're following me, but what you have done is you have decided 
to follow the ways and, and the way John sees it here, uh, really emanating, really uh, coming from this great city of Rome because the power and the prestige. This was the, the power of the age, kind of like the United States of America is right now. This Rome was it. And so you wanted to be a part of it. And again, they threw around that, that idea of Roman peace. If you'll just accept us as your ruler, you can all have peace. And remember what I've said over and over, what Roman peace meant, as long as you keep your mouth shut, you'll have peace. If not, if you want to cause a stink or something, we'll come crush your head, and then we'll have peace again. And so that was the idea. And so again, what you see here is not only has Rome led everyone astray, but now you see Babylon's funeral. If you didn't get that there's a battle against God and this other power, now we have this funeral where everyone looks at this city, this great city where, as you saw in there, we made a lot of money. Man, we were blessed. We were blessed by God, right? Because we made all the money. It was set up to make us rich, to make us wealthy, and to not have a care in the world. And then all of a sudden, you notice all the people, the vendors, the, the people working in the ships, and all of a sudden, they're all looking. They're all crying the same thing. Whoa. Woe to you, great city, because in an hour, you have perished. Because, again, the message is, God wins. And sometimes I think unconsciously we are, are following this other thing, thinking that we are following God. And the, the uh, I'll tell you one thing I really like. Uh, Craig Coaster, uh, the, the person I've, I've talked about, whose book I, I recommended in here, he says really what you see in this section is kind of like Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Uh, so you've got Scrooge. Now, I prefer my Scrooge in McDuck form, but this is, this is Charles Dickens' form. But, but the way he, he kind of uh, shows us this image, it, did you catch the different language? Like there's a, there's a present, it, you know, Babylon is, is going right now. There's also a past where Babylon has already died, and they're saying, whoa. But there's also, if you go up to verse 21, this future idea of Babylon will do this in the future. And again, this throws a little wrench in those, for those of us who think, I'm going to read Revelation, and I'm going to be able to predict the end of the world. Well, what do you do when he's talking about past, present, and future all at the same time? And so just like uh, uh, you see with, with Scrooge, I want to say McDuck after that. Every time, I'm, if I do that, y'all just go with me, okay? Uh, you remember the story. Scrooge is visited by all of these, these ghosts of Christmas, you know, past, present, future. And you kind of have to look at yourself in the mirror and see, okay, what is it to look, what does my life look like, you know, what does the world look like in the future without me in it? That I'm having to stare at my gravestone, maybe I'm having to deal with some of my past or what's going on right now. And again, as we have, have talked about, the way God presents this is it's not, I'm going to kill everybody right now, you deserve destruction, but it's all a warning over and over Please come to repentance and join me again. That is his call. That is his cry. Just like it is in, in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. It's a wake-up call. And, and so if we're sitting in the seats or you're reading your Bible at home or whatever, and, and you're not seriously thinking about what does this mean for my life, 
Where do I stand in my relationship to God? You have missed it. You have been visited by all the spirits, past, present, and future, and said, yeah, I'm good. And that's just not right, is it? The way that this is said over and over in Revelation is fornication. Now, this is probably stronger language, uh, probably meant to grab our attention. That if you're just coasting along, you were half asleep, and I said the word fornication, you woke up a little bit. Yeah, what? Did he say a name with that? Or is it just, so, you know, yeah. Did he say something? Who was it? If you whispered it now, I thought that was who. I thought, no, that's not what we're doing. But the way that God explains this relationship that people have had uh, with this other power is this idea of fornication. Is this idea that you have had this relationship that was not right. Uh, maybe you were pledged to another and had this relationship, which I think is the exact relationship that uh, all of these churches should be feeling. Because as Jesus addresses them, uh, he's addressing churches, right? He is talking to people sitting in chairs, uh, sitting in, you know, sitting around, listening to the word of God, thinking, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And over and over and over, and if you hadn't gotten it yet, go back and read it. It's over and over and over. He talks about how, no, you are not. You have pledged yourself to another in this idea of this this adulterous fornication with this other power. And again, like I think I said last week, I think the problem is, and the scariest thing is, is that we have, been, we have convinced ourselves so well that we are okay that we're not even considering this. That must be someone else. It's definitely not me. And we sit in the chair sometimes and we think, man, I'm glad sister so-and-so's hearing this. Brother so-and-so is here. I'm finally here today. I'm glad he is because he needed this, right? And we walk by the mirror that shows our own reflection, right? We're, we're, we're not paying attention to that. I, I really want to flip that around and point it at the person that needs to see it, right? I'm going to do that to everybody so nobody thinks I'm... But everyone needs to look in the mirror and see this very thing. So why, that's why he uses a strong language, this idea that they would have thought, ooh, that kind of relationship. Remember, as Jesus went around teaching, uh, people would say, religious leaders would say, you know, if he knew who that woman was, he wouldn't be having this conversation. He wouldn't be allowing her to do this. Because even the idea of this kind of thing meant, man, uncleanness. We got to get away from him. And, and so when he uses this language, that's, that's the imagery they're getting, ooh. But Jesus is saying, that's not them, that's you. You are the one who is doing this. You are the one that said, okay, I'm just going to go with this just a little bit. I, I, because I need to make money, because I need to help my family, I, what's it mean to eat food sacrificed to these idols? Well, Jesus says in this moment that it means a lot. And that you have really, you're, you're not separating Jesus and this worthless idol. What you have done is you have pledged yourself to this other power and a thing he calls fornication. One thing that, especially in the first few chapters that we, uh, we get over and over and over, I think it's about eight times through the, 
first uh, three chapters. Jesus says these words, if you have ears to hear, let them hear. And what I'm asking you this morning is if you have ears to hear, hear these words. I want you to understand that when John gave these, this testimony to the churches, it was no easy thing. Uh, I imagine that his, his weight as an apostle meant something. But can you imagine, for a second, a bunch of church people who got up, they were good folks, they came to church on a Sunday morning, and what they got was, you have been doing all of this. Now, you, a lot of you have been in church your whole life. How well is that going over? Again, we would much rather think, man, he's talking to her or him, but when you get your own toes stepped on, now that's meddling, preacher, right? Now, the way I preach, and I hope it's always the case, but my desire is that if I'm stepping on your toes, I'm stepping on my own as well. Because I don't see this as a, a me projecting on you, but we're all in this together, and I've spent a lot of time talking about that. But one of the most dangerous things a preacher can do is talk about that thing in your life that you have really made okay in your own mind, but it isn't okay. Because in that moment, we get defensive, right? You ever been there? Somebody could come to you in love and say, brother, I've seen you struggling with this and you've got a list of reasons why I'm all right with it and I'm not struggling and get out of my face. The, the way a preacher can last a long time in a congregation, I believe, is to get up and give us all happy-go-lucky, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, let's stand and sing. And that's not what Jesus did, was it? That's not the kind of people that Jesus called us to be. Jesus' entire ministry was to go around and kind of upset the balance because he was talking to people who came from Abraham. He was talking to people that had their, their papers. Here's my bloodline. How's yours? I belong here. No one else does, right? And so what Jesus did was to go around and say, all right, you, you have made this okay, or you think it's okay, but here's where you've gotten it wrong, and where'd that get? Handshakes and pats on the back, good sermon, preacher? No, let's try to kill him as soon as we can. And so what I pray as we go through Revelation is we finalize this book that brings up so many crazy thoughts in my mind. But over and over, I mean, it's, Katie asked me this week, she said, are you, about, are you glad you're about done with the Revelation? I said, yeah, kind of am. But the story, the message, over and over and over is the same. We're not predicting the end times. God is showing you, if you want to follow something else, that way leads to destruction. If you want to live with him, you better be all in. We're not hitching on to God or keeping God in our back pocket when it's convenient, maybe on Sundays, eh, Wednesday night, if I'm feeling good. Work a lot. You better be all in in your relationship with him, period. And when John said that to the churches, I can only imagine uh, their response. Surely not. 
I need to feed my family. This isn't wrong. And so what is it about you? What is it in your life that maybe you've hitched on to, that I've made okay in my mind that, ah, we'll just go with it, not hurting anybody. No one else knows about it. What is it that is consuming you? that you're afraid to look in the mirror and actually be truthful with yourself. I'm afraid to pick up scripture and see what God actually says about that because I like it. And I think it's okay. And the book of Revelation says over and over and over, you better pick God and nothing else. So where are you this morning? We offer an invitation every week and I'm gonna do that right now I'm just going to ask you, where are you in that relationship with God? Where does God rank on the priority list of your life? And be honest. What good is it to lie to yourself? Only you know the answer to that. And so I want to encourage you this morning that if something is off, we don't have to know the specifics. We sure would love to pray with you. We'd love to help you get that relationship right with him right now, I, I just, it amazes me. I picked up the bulletin this morning. It didn't hit me. September 18th, 1994, I was baptized. Sunday evening, um, I waited till we had a, we had third Sunday singing. I waited until, everybody know the new song? It thrills my soul. I'm not gonna say, we're gonna get copyright right there. But I knew when we sang that song, it was close to the end. Now, I was a shy person, believe it or not. And so I didn't want many people around. There might have been a handful of people. But even with that handful of people, what a beautiful, beautiful day to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior and to be baptized into his death, burial, and resurrection to pledge allegiance in that moment to Jesus Christ to say, I'm walking with you right now. Everybody remember the feeling of that day? And some of you need to experience that right now today. We can make that happen. Others of you may need to relive that and think, you know what, I have strength. There are some things that I need to do differently and I need the prayers of the church or I need forgiveness from God. And God has shown you over and over through all of these images, through all of these bowls of wrath, and I'm going to pour this stuff out every time God has said, I'm trying to bring about repentance, and they're so hard-headed, they're not going to do it. So I pray we're not in that boat, that we are people who are able to hear, that we accept the words of Jesus, even when they're hard to hear, but we love him and we want to follow him wherever that may lead, and he's shown us through this book where it leads, right? Sitting around the throne, salvation belongs not to world powers, but to God. He wins. Pick a side.